0: You're listening to The Real Reese. Welcome to my podcast, The Real Reese. My name is Reese, and i be your host throughout every single one of these episodes. And this is my second time recording this, and I'm already over it. <laughs> uh, I recorded this yesterday when I went to see the movie. As soon as I got home, I started recording, but I guess my microphone tweaked out at some point. I don't know exactly what happened. It didn't show up on my recording software. It looked like it was this stable all the way through, but apparently that wasn't the case. Anyway, that was an almost twenty-minute video, and I imagine that I don't have as much to say today as I did yesterday. But um, I will be giving my spoiler review for Megan, the new 2023 Killer Doll movie. Um, this movie was produced by Jason Blum and James Wan, who you may know from like every horror movie in the in the 2000s uh i'm so serious if you've seen any 2000s horror movie there's a high chance that either jason Blum, james Wan, or both of them are just behind the scenes somewhere somehow as either a producer a director or yeah, i don't know man they they're just all over the horror scene they are for sure um horror legends and all their movies don't work for me, obviously, and that's the case with everybody, right? Well, not everybody. I think all the Mike Flanagan movies hit, but uh, for the but for most, you know, for the most part, not everyone's movies are gonna really land and stick it for you. But I always appreciate it just the sheer variety of genres and concepts those two have tackled over the years. Um, <clears throat> I think the last movie I watched by them was *Malignant*, and I didn't love *Malignant* <laughs> for sure, but I did. I do think it's a very unique viewing experience. It should be experienced at least once. I really hope you guys got to see it in theaters. I think it's a it's a wonderful movie to see on a big screen. But it, it was kind of crazy, and I didn't understand what was going on for like 90% of the movie. But uh, it, it, was a, it was a really unique watch for sure. Um, yeah, this movie was directed by a Mr. Gerard Johnstone. And this is the first movie I've seen from him as a writer, producer, or a director, but he did a great job directing. I will say that. I don't he, he does have other um projects under his name, but I just haven't watched them before. So hopefully this gets him out there. He gets more projects under his wing because he did fantastic with this. But I think that'll do it. We'll just talk about the main cast as we get to them in the review. All right, I just wanna say right out the gate, I thought this movie was fantastic. It was consistent. It related to the current times. It had layers and these emotional undertones that kind of spread throughout the entirety of the movie. Uh, It had comedy and it's not the comedy that I think we're used to in these kind of campy horror movies. It wasn't forced and it wasn't direct comedy. Like it wasn't based around jokes. I think it was more so just The absurdity of the situation (laughs) and the character's reactions to the um, absurdity of the situation at times. And I think that's the funniest or the most natural way to go about comedy. I don't think it has to be a joke fest to be, you know, to be considered a horror comedy. Um, I don't know if I would classify this as such, though. I don't think it is classified as a horror comedy, but it definitely had those comedic moments. And I feel like most of them landed. There was a few times where it was, you know, a bit a bit more of that nineties camp <laughs> type of type of vibe, but for the most part it was just it was it was really funny. Um and it also had creepy moments, like genuinely creepy moments. And it might just be me because I am super just biased against I don't like dolls, man. They they creep me out. Especially the ones that have like AI inside of them. They can talk and can move and I, I don't I don't mess with it. I don't like it. <laughs> um but even outside of my my personal just <clears throat> Vendetta Against Dolls, I don't think... I think most people would agree that this movie has some creepy moments in it. And I don't know what else you can want from a horror movie, especially when it came out in January of all months. If you guys know anything about film, the movies, not just horror movies, just the movies in general that are released and they're released in January every year are pretty, pretty bad. They're like notoriously terrible. Man, I don't know what it is. I... My personal take is that these companies, they worked on said movie for the entirety of, you know, the last year, basically. And maybe they started to lack a bit of confidence in it towards the end or something like that. So they released it early in the year. So by the time that we get to the end of the year, you know, they probably released another movie or, you know, other movies came out from other companies kind of overshadow it and it doesn't look as it isn't as big of a um, a detriment to them, you know, <laughs> by the time it gets to the end of the year. That's probably the only thing I could think of. And, of course, sometimes it just falls, um, it just falls in January, you know. That's always a, a case, I guess. Um, <clears throat> but this year started off great. Megan was dope. And last year, Screen 5 started the year off, and Screen 5 was also great. So it's not always bad. It's just for the most part, they're usually not the best. <laughs> Uh, I think my biggest worry going into this was that the trailer revealed a bit too much. But in hindsight, I think they actually did a pretty good job. Um, marketing wasn't perfect. It wasn't the best, but it definitely was good. And they did their job quite well. Um, <clears throat> I feel like they still showed a bit more than than what was needed to get us hyped for the movie. I think if they showed just even half of what they showed in the trailer, it still would have generated the same hype, in my opinion. Um, but the movie had more substance than what I expected, so the trailer, it kind of It canceled out, really, just because it had much more than what the trailer led us to think. All right, so pretty much immediately after the opening credits, we get introduced to the main character, um, Katie. Katie is played by the always fantastic Violet McGraw, who you may know from Doctor Sleep and The Hunting of Hill House. She played Little Nell in Hill House. Um, she's a Mike Flanagan mainstay, man, and you guys know how big of a Flanagan fan I am, so... <laughs> Uh, I think Violet alone was enough to sell me on this movie, honestly. I hadn't seen her since Hill House, and she was like seven or eight back then. I really wanted to see how much she has grown as an actress, and she has grown up a lot. Um, Her twin brother from Hill House, um, Julian Hilliard, I think that's how you say his name? He he also worked with James Wan um, on The Conjuring 3. I know James Wan didn't direct it, but he produced it, so I'm I'm happy both of them are just... Remaining in the, the industry and they're still happy and having fun with it. I think that's the most important thing for these child stars to keep them as as safe as possible in this industry because you know how how crazy things can get for them when they get older. So best love to them both. They're both doing great. So Katie and her parents are driving to a ski lodge, and Katie's in the back seat on her tablet. Her Aunt Gemma is an engineer, and Katie is playing with her company's new toy called Perpetual Pet, which is more like an advanced Furby or something, but it uses like an Alpes's gimmick. I- I'm not sure exactly, but um, we get straight to what the rest of the movie is about when her mom mentions to her dad that she's having too much screen time. And mid-discussion or mid-argument, if that's what you want to call it, they get into a car crash in which both of the parents are killed, but Katie survives. Um, We then jump over to officially meet Aunt Gemma, who is played by Allison Williams, who you know is Rose from Get Out. She did fantastic in that movie, by the way. But um, (laughs) Her company is struggling to create a toy that can be both cost-effective, but also be able to compete with, well, the competition. Um, (laughs) We see that Gemma and a small team of her friends have been working on a new idea called the MEGAN, which stands for Model 3 Generative Android. Um, they present the prototype to their boss, but the Megan prototype is still unfinished, and it's kind of a bust, so he gives them a new deadline on when to have you know a new product on his desk basically and that's where the movie officially begins in my opinion. Gemma gets custody of Katie, and we see very early on that Gemma isn't the best at being responsible for a child or anything that's alive, really um. <laughs> That's her own words, that's not mine. I'm not saying that she's unfit as a parent because I have I haven't the slightest clue about how to parent. That's not what I'm saying. That's what she said. Um, but I think this is where the movie really started to show its layers. Um, I like that we got in a social plot line with Gemma and her company. and we also got defined character traits for both Gemma and Katie before Megan, who is the central plot of this movie by the way. before she, before she even shows up, we have all this build up. I think that's great. We spend a good amount of time in the first act just showing Katie's depression and how rough of a time she's having adapting to Gemma, and you know, and vice versa. Um, the first act is my least favorite part of the movie, but I'm just really, really glad that we got that we get actual characters here, not just the uh, the blank archetypes that are so common in horror movies. Uh, I will say though, as a whole, I think modern horror is just straying away from that kind of structure and we're moving more towards characters that have, that, that means something to, to someone, you know? Uh, I think Screen 5 called it elevated horror, like the Babadook and Hereditary and things like that. And This movie isn't on those those movies' level, I don't think, but it's also not trying to be, not directly at least, but I still think that this movie is uh, another step in the right direction where we get horror movies that actually mean something outside of whatever the, the base concept of it is anyways from there Megan gets introduced and from then on she is very clearly the star of this movie um, she is played by two actresses Jenna Davis who does the voice and Amy Donald who is Megan's body double I, I'm not sure if it's a body double I'm, I'm actually not even sure if Megan has a, a actual doll body in real life um I'm really curious to see the behind the scenes but I think it was just Amy. As Megan the whole time and she has like either CGI or a fake doll head on or something I don't know I'm really curious to see I hope they release that soon <laughs> but um, I think the creators did a great job of showing how aware we should be of what technology we have and what we depend on that technology for Megan is our smartphones our smart homes and just all these other things personified really uh, I think what else the movie did well was just building up Megan to be something more than just a a murderous doll, or more than just an AI out to get the people who created her. That really isn't what she what she was. Um, well, not initially, but even after she's <laughs> even after she kind of turned into that, she still that's not solely what she was. Megan's main duty was to <clears throat> provide support for Katie. Who has been understandably closed off since her parents' death, but the movie really started to question the morality of having. What what's the boundary between AI and and humans? You know, can this AI, who is not sentient, can it provide the same level of comfort that a another human could provide to a child that's vulnerable? And I think that was a really a really neat concept for them to tackle. I think the graduality of it all is what gave it those layers. Meg- it, it built up over time. It wasn't anything that just happened overnight, you know. And it's that's hard to do in a movie that's only an hour and, what, 40 minutes long, maybe. Um, of course, that led to this, uh, like, immense feeling of Megan needing to protect Katie from whatever the case may be. Whether it be physical or emotional pain, Megan was trying her best to um, to protect her, whether it be from a dog that attacked Katie or a troublesome neighbor or a boy who was a literal nuisance to everyone around him. That kid sucked. That kid was terrible. Um, I, I can't say what I want to say, but that kid, I, I think he deserved what he got, and to say the absolute least about that. But just seeing Megan slowly become more human-like is what the entire second act was about, really. It was just all these different situations that kept Gemma looking at Megan and Megan looking back at Gemma very um, suspiciously. (laughs) A very interesting turn of events started to happen at the end of the second act, though. And that was, was, it was showing that not only how much of a problem Megan was becoming, but it was also showing how much Katie started to depend on her as well, which is expected, of course, but I'm glad that they showed the effects of both sides and it wasn't just trying to portray Megan as just being this evil you know being because that's not what she was um and this is obviously a metaphor on current times and our our use of technology obviously like I mentioned earlier but it was done really well in my opinion they covered a topic but they weren't forcing it down our throats it was a bit more of a of a subtle type of showcase um We had gotten dialogue earlier from a few different characters about not allowing Katie to just pour all of herself into Megan. I think they brought up the attachment theory, which is more like when a child's primary caregiver dies, so like their mom or dad or whoever the case may be, they tend to latch on to to what or whoever the next person is that kind of fills that role for them. And in this case, it was... Megan but Megan isn't a person <laughs> so eventually it would create a very unhealthy bond between those two that would render them almost inseparable if it's not stopped um pretty early on in his tracks and right before the third act began we got a conversation between Gemma and Katie for the first time all movie literally and Katie admitted to someone other than Megan her true feelings about her parents and we got to see a genuine a genuine Reaction from a human, outside of Megan, kind of doing the best that the AR could do. You know what I'm saying? So it was really interesting. I really liked that. Um, but then we got led into the third act, and the third act is absolutely my favorite part of the movie. It's when we got all of all of our huge like action sequences with Megan, and we really get to see her in the in the full like facaded human emotion mode. Um, <laughs> And I love the dialogue between her and Gemma. It's basically Megan confronting her about not being fit as a parent and how it's unfair to both herself and to Katie to kind of force her to be in that position that she isn't qualified for. According to Megan's standards, at least. I'm Like I said, I'm not a parent. Don't, no. <laughs> uh, we also have a fight scene between Megan and Gemma. And I think it's like Katie's sleeping in the other room or trying to sleep. And they both... I feel weird saying this but they both care about Katie so they want her to get her rest but they're trying to beat the hell out of each other so they're trying to be quiet while they fight and it's so funny (laughs) it's just a fun time man above all else I think that's what makes this movie so great it's just a ton of fun Um, it takes itself serious enough to feel the weight of what Megan and Katie and Gemma are becoming and it also takes itself serious enough for us to kind of look at our phone with like a side eye because you feel like it's kind of watching you now (laughs) But it's also campy and humorous, and it has a lot of those things that you need to um, suspend your disbelief for. Like, like for example, this is something I noticed. Megan has impressive strength, to say the least, but yet she can be picked up by a 13-year-old boy with very little effort. So she can rip people's heads, clean off their bodies, but she can get picked up and flung 20 feet across the field by a 12-year-old. So, you know, it, it's things like that, but it's also, <laughs> it's also things like that that reminds you that it's a movie and that you're supposed to be having fun during it, and it did that fun really well. Um, so if you're coming into this expecting just a, a crazy killer doll with, you know, a huge kill count and just a bloodbath and all that, all that stuff, then this might not be for you um it definitely has those moments but it's something more than that and when it does do those moments it does it well like i said the final act is my favorite part of the movie and that's where it does it the most but it's that's not all this movie is uh one more thing this movie was clearly meant to be rated r but i guess i i guess they wanted it to be pg13 so you know they can get as much money as possible you know it makes sense over Film's supposed to entertain people, but it's still a business, and you gotta break even, at least, so I, I understand the decision, but it's pretty obvious, like, there's some ADR lines in there where they clearly don't say whatever their lips are saying, but they obviously cut something out, <laughs> and every time Megan is about to do, like, this huge kill that's had, that has all this build-up, it kinda cuts before the kill actually takes place, so... You can tell that it meant it was meant to be a bit more graphic than it was, but it's not an issue to me. It's just something I noticed. Uh, I don't usually do ratings for reviews, but I give Megan, like, a, a solid pass. Everyone, please go and watch this movie. It's worth the watch, I promise. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it. I just wanted to say that I... um. I really, 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 really appreciate James Wan and, um, you know, and Gerald Johnstone too, Gerard Johnstone, I forgot, this is my first movie I've seen by him and he knocked it out the park, but hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I will catch you in the next one. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of The Real Reese. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode.